about this upcoming year. So when you think of them, just say a prayer for them. Um, and we are excited for them to come back and tell us all that they heard from the Lord, right? So with that being said, the very first thing that we do is we're going to stand up. I know some of you just sat down, but I'm sorry. Stand up again. And we are going to do our USA confession that I don't know that well. So I'm going to try to look at the screen. Okay, ready? Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and in unity we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, 
mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call forth the light of Jesus Christ to evade the media and every home, church, and school and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. You guys may be seated. I'm just going to go over a few announcements. Who knows what tomorrow night is? Okay, I think some of you are awake, but I think some of you guys are sleepy. But yes, tomorrow night is servant leadership. And this is just an opportunity. If you haven't came to one, you want to come so that you can know more of what's going on in your church, right? Um, it's a way that you can grow and become a leader in um, this church. So this or tomorrow night at 6.30, we will meet in victory for the very beginning of it. We're going to shortly go over some things. We're going to talk about um, how the Thanksgiving service is going to flow, how Christmas is going to flow. We're going to go over some final dates. Um, but then we're going to work for Jesus. Raise your hand if you like to work for Jesus. Okay? So then we're going to do what servant leaders do. And we're going to come over to this building and prepare this building for our Thanksgiving um, family pitch-in, okay? So please be here. Don't run away just because I said we're going to do some work because, look it, I love to do work for Jesus. And when you work for Jesus, it's amazing. So please come help us um, with that tomorrow night at 6.30. And this Sunday is what? I heard food. It is our family Thanksgiving pitch-in. And for those of you guys that have never been to a family Thanksgiving pitch-in, it is incredible. There are some people like Betty who make amazing food, but we only get to taste her food if we have babies, if we're out because we have surgery, or for our family pitch-ins. So we're super excited about that. The way that it works is that we all bring some kind of dish to share, right? We make enough for us and enough for other families to share. We are asking that if you're bringing a ham or a turkey or some kind of meat, please pre-cut it. It's a lot of work for the people back in the kitchen to have to cut all those turkeys and the ham. So please pre-cut it. Bring your stuff in um, disposable tins so that way... We don't got a lot of dishes to do afterwards, okay? So um, you guys will, anybody that signed up to bring something, you will get a reminder of what you signed up for, okay? So thank you, Jesus, for those reminders. And then um, the 27th is even better because it's the Christmas came early party. Raise your hand if you've ever been to one of those with us. It's super exciting. We have cookies and milk. We ask that each family bring 
one dozen cookies. You can bring more cookies if you like. The more cookies, the merrier, right? And we kind of sit together. We have fun. And Leah Mata has made this game where we do like a gift exchange, but we get a steal gifts. And Pastor Katie will say that's the only time we let anybody steal anything in the sanctuary is that night, okay? So the Matas work really hard. This is one of their favorite things to do for family life. So please come out to that. If you are an adult, 15 and up, and you want to participate in the gift exchange, your gift, um, you'll bring a gift worth $5. Um, if you're, if it, your child wants to be a part of it, it's a dollar. Okay? So don't miss out on that. And then ladies, at the Rock down in San Bernardino, they have the girls' night out. This is a wonderful time for Christmas. Um, they do lots of great things. They have um, hot cocoa. It's all Christmassy. Christmas lights everywhere. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. But they also take time to do a Christmas service to give you some words. There's some worship. It's all kinds of fun stuff. We are not doing signups as a church or providing rides. But if you guys want to do this girls' night out, find your girls and go to the Rock um Web page and go ahead and purchase your tickets, okay? So that's um, a fun thing. And then Laura Cook, which is Tony Cook's daughter, will be here on the 16th of December. She has made music um, for books of the Bible to tell the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so she's going to come share that with us. So this is going to be a, a fun night just to get us into the Christmas spirit. Let's honor her. Let's um, love on her. And let's come out and support that, okay? Um, and then at the end of service, Mr. Robert needs some strong men to help him offload his truck and bring some tables in for um, our pitch-in service, okay? So that's what's going on. Stay connected. Stay hooked up. I know it's a lot going on, but we're super excited to get into the holiday season and celebrate Thanksgiving and Christmas and just hang out with you guys and enjoy it, right? With that being said, what time is it, guys? It's happy time. And why are we happy? Thank you. Thank you, Dave McNeil, because God loves a cheerful giver, right? And um, I'm going to kind of tell a silly story on my husband, but that's okay because I don't think he's watching. So um, he's at work right now. So if he sees us later, I'll ask for forgiveness. Um, but my husband, when we first started coming to church, I grew up in church. My husband did not grow up in church. So he had no idea how church ran or how church went or anything like that. Um, so when he first started coming to church here, he was having a conversation with some people in the foyer. And he's like, man, I'm so glad that I get a give. And it's just a blessing. You know, pastors deserve every single penny we give them. And I kind of looked at him and other people looked at him and were like, that's not quite how it works. And so I had to explain to him, you know, where church money went and why we gave to Jesus. Um, if you need an envelope, please raise your hand and a, a shirt. One of, well, yeah, one of these nice gentlemen will give you an envelope, okay? Um, so yeah, I had to explain to him how um, giving works, but I always stopped to think about that moment and just how excited he was to give. And whenever I have an opportunity to give, I think about that. Because God sees our hearts. 
And anything that we do that's a giving thing, it's from the heart. So we want to make sure that our hearts are in the right, um, just the right attitude when we're giving things to people, right? We don't want to sit there and be like, well, so-and-so is watching me, so I guess I'll give them 20 bucks because they said that they need gas in their car. You know, we want, God wants us as Christians to be blessed so that we can bless others and be a blessing to others, right? Especially right now as we're going into the Thanksgiving and the Christmas season, there are so many people out there that do not have the things that we have. They're not blessed the way that we have. And God gives us things so that we can be a blessing to others. And I think about that all the time, especially if you guys know my story. Um, I didn't always have a house over my head. I did not always have the cleanest clothes for my children. My kitchen was not always stored with food. I had struggles before I got saved. I remember one Christmas sitting on my bed in a motel room crying because I knew that I couldn't even afford to go into Walmart and get my kids one gift, one gift for Christmas. And it was just a hard season for me. And I asked the Lord, like, Lord, help me. You know, like this is, this is the worst feeling as a parent ever to not be able to give to my kids. And I remember um, a church came by the motel area that, you know, that season. And um, they gave us a couple of gifts. And I was just so thankful that my kids were able to unwrap something, you know. And so as we're going into this season, that's what we need to be thinking about. And that's what Luke 6.38 is all about, right? It says, give, and it shall be given unto you. A good measure, pressed down and shaken over, um, and running over shall men give unto your bo- your bosom. For the same measure that you meet shall be measured to you again, right? And we shouldn't give just so that we can give things back, right? But we give because we know that there's blessings when we bless other people. And as Christians, we may not know how much us blessing them means to that person. We may be the only Jesus that people get this season. We may be the only, this may be the only time that they experience the love of Jesus. And if we're sitting over there with a bad attitude, like, oh, I guess, you know, I have a toy here, I'll give it to so-and-so, but I really wanted to give it to my kid. You know, God wants us to be joyful. He wants us to be excited about being able to bless other people. You know, and that's one of the lessons that I've always taught my kids. I've always, you know, thought of where I came from and where God has brought me, you know, so I challenge you guys this season to just stop and think about all the blessings that God's given you, all the things that God's done for you, all the times that you've asked him, you know, Lord, stretch my gas and he stretched your gas, you know, all those times that you asked him, Lord, I just, I just need help paying this light bill and God helped you pay that light bill. Whatever you can sow out to other people this season, whatever you can do to help other people, you know, just know that that measure is coming back to you. And we sow into faith. We sow out of faith, right? That's how sowing and reaping works. We sow out of faith, you know, sometimes because we need things. You know, we give and we say, okay, Lord, I don't really have this to give, but I'm giving it to you right now. And I know that you're going to give it back to me. So I hope that encourages you guys this season in giving and and just remembering that there should be joy 
and giving. We are honored to be able to give our tithes and offerings to the Lord. It's not something we have to do. It's something that we get to do. It's our heart. The Lord sees our heart. He sees how we're giving. And that's why he blesses us. And that's why Malachi um, works for us because he sees our heart. And when he sees our heart and we know that, okay, Lord, this is yours. I'm giving it to you. Thank you, Lord, that I have a job. Thank you, Lord, that I have this. Those blessings come and, and you're, um, you reap it. So with that being said, are we ready to say our financial faith confession? Okay, here we go. As we bring the Lord's tithe and offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements and states inheritance, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so that I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, join us up here at the altar. Let's worship the Lord together on tonight. Let's surrender our hearts to Him. You are Jesus, Son of God, Son of Man. I call you Savior with nail-scarred hands. You will be my Son in the morning light, bringing redemption to my dark night. Beautiful surrender is where I want to be, locked into your arms for all eternity. Come and take my hand, you can lay me where you please. That beautiful surrender is chasing after me. Full of faith standing tall Confident and brave Ready to fall Into your life You are the voice that calls With no reservation Oh, I surrender all Beautiful surrender is where I want to be, locked into your arms for all eternity. Come and take my hand, you can lead me where you please. That beautiful surrender is chasing after me.
much time I will exalt. I will exalt you, Lord. I will exalt you, Lord. Let no other name be lifted high. I want to thank you, Lord Jesus, for all that you're doing in this city, all that you're doing in our hearts, Father. We exalt you, Lord. We just love you and we praise you father we know that you are looking down and you're seeing your people starting to move and get in line with you and get in line with your word father to reach out those that are lost and unsaved lord continue to give us wisdom and understanding father uh, in how you want us to go about that lord we thank you for your presence lord please never father take your presence away from me take your presence away from us father but Show us a deeper revelation of your word and of your love and your patience and your kindness and your mercy. And we can go on and on, Lord, because we don't want to forget the benefits that we have knowing you as Lord and Savior. So, Father, I praise you as this night we just want to honor you and just give you praise, Lord. We thank you. That was awesome. Yes, God is so good. He's so worthy of praise. Jesus is Lord. Yes? How do you transition from that? I mean, it sometimes it's just tough. But you know what? The Word of God, I believe, uh, I have a message for you guys tonight. It kind of came to me about a few weeks ago on this message when Pastor Dave asked me to speak. I go, okay, I know exactly what I'm going to talk about. And praise God that it happened at this time. I want to start off by saying, by giving a little story. As a, imagine a couple, or you're going, you're traveling towards, let's say you have some family, and you're going on a trail, and going on the road, and you notice that well, in Barstow, I do want to start off by saying Barstow is a perfect location to start this journey. We have the Highway 40, and we have the Highway 15. Amazing stretches of highway. So you're starting off here in Barstow, and we're going to take a little journey, and we're going to, uh, someone is going to be driving. I'm not going to say it's me, but uh, it wasn't me. Desiree, thank you. It wasn't me. But a couple taken off. And they're heading off to family. Remember, they have just enough time and just enough money to get to where they need to be before, let's say, Christmas. They get on this freeway, and they're taking off, and they're they're distracted on the phones, and they're going, like, oh, yeah, let's go over here. Oh, look at Peggy Sue's. That's a cool place. Let's go stop over there, Peggy Sue's. Stop at Peggy Sue's. And they keep on going, Vegas, yeah, awesome. Let's go spend some time, waste some time over there. We got a few bucks, extra bucks to spend. And they keep on going and going, and they have about a 2,000-mile journey to, ahead of them, so they're just taking their time, doing what they want to do along the way, paying attention to the roads and just enjoying the scenery and the sights and not really paying attention to road signs. Next thing you know, they get into Utah, Arizona, Arizona, Utah, Idaho, and they keep on going. Next thing you know... Canada. Guy looks over to his spouse and goes, why are we in Canada? 
Aren't we supposed to be in North Carolina? Well, they missed it somewhere. So what I'm saying is they missed it back here in Barstow at this particular moment where they were paying attention to something different and not paying attention to the people's asking them and talking to them, where are you going? Oh, we're going to our friends over there at the coast. And no one's asking them the right questions to get them to the destination that they want, that they need to go. So they end up over in Canada. They're trying to get over to North Carolina. And this road that they're on, I'm going to say it's our road of life. And I'm going to get to two different roads here. There's a bunch of roads. This whole night is about roads. And, the, and it's going to end up at the last sentence, the last story of the last road, what I'm leading up to. It's just this whole time, these people were not paying attention to where they were going. There were, there were street signs. There was warnings. They'd stop and talk to the gas station attendant. And nobody was giving them the information that they needed to set them right on the right track. A disaster happened. They didn't have any more money. They had their time was time was spent. They ended up in Canada. I'm going to go here to. You'll understand where I'm going with this as soon as I get over to Matthew, chapter seven, verse thirteen. Let's go to Matthew. My glasses just broke. Praise God. I have a backup pair. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. This right here. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it, by, enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. I'm talking about the broad and wide path that leads to destruction, and the straight and narrow path that leads to eternal life. This couple that is heading in life to Canada, or to where they're supposed to be going, and they did not heed the words and the instructions of someone trying to talk to them and correct them. They just went on their own way, thought they're doing their own thing. Here, when I look at this scripture, broad and wide is the path that leads to destruction. And straight and narrow is the path that leads to eternal life. I believe it's our obligation and it's our duty as Christians to do what we can to let people know, hey, you're heading in the wrong direction. It seems like most of the messages that I've talk about it's about reminding us our call of duty our purpose in ministry to reach out to the lost and to seek and to save those that are lost to point people in the direction that they need to go anywhere along this path that they were headed they could have stopped made a detour to get back on the right path so anywhere anytime that we are ministering to someone or talking to someone until it's their last breath, they have an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ. Basically, the road to Canada is like a road of life. Thank God by His grace that we have got on the straight and narrow path that leads to eternal life. 
in his presence and not in the condemnation. So I would like to continue by saying that we need to pay attention to who we come across and how we minister to them. Sometimes there is long, we get to minister to someone over a long period of time, plant seeds. And sometimes it's like, you know what? I don't think I'm ever going to see you again. The Lord's telling me to tell you this pronto, right now. You need to know you are heading in the wrong direction. Well, you can't judge me. Okay. Well, I would like to lead you to Jesus Christ. If you'd like to go and tell you and plant some seeds, sow some, plant some seeds into that individual's life. Maybe they get a harvest right then and there. Or whatever, I'm learning to do this at my shop and my place of business is to pay closer attention to what the Spirit is telling me about individuals that come into the shop rather than pay attention to the job that they're needing me to take care of. Because pretty much I'm, I'm not accountable to God for what job I do in my shop. I'm accountable to God for how I minister to others. That's what I'm... I don't, I don't get to heaven and say, okay, you welded that great, you fixed that great. In, in, in the judgment time of fire, pff, it's gone. But how we sow our, how we sow God's word, how we sow seed, that is the fruit. That is the word that we're trying to get out to others. Uh, but I do want to say that, uh, the straight and narrow path for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. We can't deceive ourselves or anybody else and say, hey, you're going to, your life is going to be peachy. Life is going to be just this grand thing that with, with Jesus, everything's going to go easy now. But you know, with Jesus, all things get easier. He carries us through. And when we trust and rely on him as Lord and Savior, but it says the way is hard. Jesus himself, the way is hard that leads to life. One of the, some of the characteristics, characteristics that's needed for the narrow path is we need to walk by faith. True repentance, not a lot of people are really into true repentance. I'm sorry, you caught me. My bad. I've never liked that word. My bad. Anyway, um, the narrow path is a life of sacrifice. Love for others, it's tough, but the end is eternal life. And the end result is crowns on our behalf should we we be leading someone to the Lord. The end is, the end result is eternal life with Jesus Christ. And we're looking at this world situation right now with everything that's going on. I praise God that, you know, there might be some people that are desperate that need Jesus. There's layoffs happening in the tech world. It's all they've known. Money looks like it might be getting tighter, but we know that with God, all things are possible, and he meets every one of our needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. When I look at what's happening in my bank account, sometimes it's like, where did the money go from the last job? I mean, you guys are doing the same thing. It's like, we just got paid this paycheck. All we did is go buy groceries and this it's gone. Man, but God is still meeting our needs. My wife and I went to Costco and Target. Okay? We spent a thousand dollars 
and it all fit in the back of her SUV with room. And we went with three car seats and the front seats. Basically, one seat was down. I was like, oh. And we're just looking back like, God, you're still meeting our needs. It's a little thinner, but God is meeting our needs. What do we really need? We need roof over our head, food in our belly, warmth, clothes. I mean, we need some stuff. But God is meeting all of our needs, and he's meeting your needs. We continue to tithe and remain faithful. Desiree, I thought you were just going to keep on going. I was just going to hand you my notes and say, go for it, girl. You're, you're getting it. You're hitting it. Anyway, um, like I wanted to say before that God is going to meet our needs. We continue to remain faithful to him and remain faithful to his word and remember that we do have a calling, that we do have a purpose. You may think that, oh, I'm just sitting here. I'm just going to work every day. Anthony's meeting people all the time at his work. That to be open to the Holy Spirit, Lord, always praying without ceasing like we're asked to do. To pray without ceasing. God, is there someone you want me to minister to? Someone you want me to say? Someone you want me to encourage? Someone you want me to lift up? Lord, is there someone that needs to get rebuked? And say, but you, we need the lead, leading of the Holy Spirit. Because there are so many people on that wide path. And few find it. And it's not necessarily that they are on it because they want to be on it. A lot of people are. But some just don't even know. We know that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we know that every ear will hear about the gospel. They're going to hear it from us. The church, true followers committed to Jesus Christ. They're going to hear the word and they're going to watch our actions. And we have to continue to remain steadfast to that calling. We've all been called to the... Uh, ministry of an evangelist to evangelize. Not that we are in the fivefold ministry of evangelists, but we all are called to evangelize, to reach the lost. I am going to take us down another road. I had a bunch of roads. You'll understand where all these roads came from when I get to the last road and how all these other roads come in. We're going to talk about, let's go into the book of Acts. Chapter 9, verse 3 and 3 through 6. A lot of things happen on roads. I'm not just talking about accidents. You get from one place to another. There's roads. I mean, we can look at, I'm not talking about the product. I didn't have the prodigal son in my notes, but the prodigal son was walking down the road home in a state of humility. But right now I'm going to discuss Saul. The Pharisee of Pharisees. The writer of two-thirds of the New Testament. Saul. Now, he had authority to go into every town and to catch capture Christians, those the followers of the way, the way of Christ, and bring them to trial. Now, Paul, on verse 3, as he went on his way, He approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling onto the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? 
And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, but rise and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. Continue. Remember that Saul, he's not Paul yet, he's Saul. He was zealous for the word of God. He was zealous for the law. He was zealous for the law. Moses, the, the prophets, the Psalms, the Proverbs, he was zealous for God's word. Okay. And he was a Pharisee, a student of the law. So he knew the scriptures and he knew that he was going, he was protecting and defending the law that he was so trained and disciplined under that his heart was pure towards serving God the law. What he missed was Jesus' grace. What's God's grace? So if you go back into the, uh, Gospels, you'll, you'll hear that beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Beware of the Pharisees. Beware of the Sadducees. Paul is a Pharisee. What, disti- what differentiated Paul from the other ones that Jesus was talking about was his heart and his zeal for truth, for righteousness. So Paul, Saul, was on his way doing his job, what he knew was right. Then along the way, Jesus met up with him and stopped him dead in his tracks. And this was where Saul became Paul because he had a revelation of Jesus Christ at that moment on the road to Damascus. He was heading somewhere doing what he was supposed to do, knowing what he was, what he was doing. He believing what he was right, what he thought was right. So as he went there, Jesus was able to meet him on the way and changed his life. Us and our lives, we are continually going down different roads and different paths. Maybe um, at work, this is a rough road. This is tough. This is, and I don't know what to do. We remain faithful to God and, and he will meet us. He'll send someone to meet us along the way. As long as we remain faithful, man, you get tired and sick and worried and just frustrated. But you know what? I'm going to stay faithful. I'm going to do what I know to do. And God's going to send that word. You know, I would, I come to church. I love coming to church and hearing the word because, you know, even though the pastors may say it more than once over the course of years, and I've heard it a hundred times, but sometimes it just doesn't, it doesn't make it past the years. And in that one moment, it drops right in the spirit and goes, I got it. I get it. That's why sometimes going to church and it may seem mundane and tiring and man, I just didn't feel like it, but we just continue going. This body right here, I, I truly believe that High Desert Word Center is in a, in, is in a position to start reaping a harvest, to see these seats filled up. Not because we want to Say, I go out to High Desert Word Center and they're doing great and we're blessed. No, because the heart that is at High Desert Word Center is like, they're getting saved. This is exciting. People for Jesus. There is one less person off the broad and wide path that leads to destruction. There is another person on the straight and narrow path and we're going to help him through, help this person, this family through 
all of the situations that they're going through. Because High Desert Word Center, I can't speak for anybody else out there. I don't know the churches or pastors. They can fend for themselves. But I know here at High Desert Word Center, we love Jesus. And we don't come here to have our ears tickled. We come here to hear the Word. And even if Pastor Dave would and Pastor Bernie, very efficient at stepping on our toes and letting us know that, hey, come on. Let's get back on the right, get off, get out of the ditch. Let's get on the path to eternal life. So Saul had a mesmerizing, life-changing event. Some of us don't get that light. And it's just like my salvation was quick and life-changing from that very moment. Some people just, okay, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to remain faithful. And it's not a... Quick, suddenly, it's an over-process of time, which is where most people usually are. But consider the fact that you're remaining faithful with God, faithful to God. So, Saul, awesome road trip. Saul became Paul. And let's talk over to Philip, Acts 8.26. Acts Acts 8.26. Philip, the evangelist, an awesome dude. I like reading Philip because he's... The only person that we know of consider that we called an evangelist in the New Testament scripture. Eight twenty six. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem. I'm gonna Yeah, I'm gonna read the thing. This is a desert place, and he rose and went. First of all, Philip was being obedient to the Lord right now. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. And as he was returning, seating in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. This Ethiopian eunuch was reading the book, the prophet Isaiah. That didn't sound like much of a thing to me until it dawned on me to get a scripture, a a book from Old Testament. They didn't have a printing press. It was all meticulously written down by scribes. So in order to have the book of Isaiah, I guess a queen should have the book of Isaiah. So not every... Individual is able to get the book of Isaiah. So he was reading the prophet Isaiah, and the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this, ch- join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? First of all, Philip is being led by the Holy Spirit this whole time. And you consider maybe he's being nosy. Okay, what's he doing in there? What's he doing? We're supposed to be paying attention to the individuals around us. What are they saying? What are they thinking? Is there a sound of desperation or necessity or hurt or searching for something in the tone of their voice? Yeah, we may be eavesdropping, but you know what? We're not eavesdropping in the sense that we're going to gossip. We're eavesdropping for an open door, for an opportunity to minister to somebody. So we are listening. And then, Philip, hey, 
Do you understand what you are reading? How can I unless someone guides me? This was the response. And then Philip taught him about the Scriptures, opened up his eyes to the Scriptures. In that moment, Philip, listening to the Holy Spirit, listening to what he was reading, intervened in that Ethiopian's life, immediately went and got baptized. Philip was disappeared in another city about 25 miles away, immediately came up and he was gone. The amount of people that most likely was changed at that moment over in Ethiopia brought the gospel over there because that man because that man was reading the scriptures, seeking out the Lord, wanting to know more, and someone explained it to him. You guys have High Desert Word Center. The Word of God is being taught to you in a way that is pure, that is accurate, and that is right. So we can't take the Word that Pastor Dave, Pastor Bernie is being, is teaching us lightly. We gotta understand that it is true. But it is right. And we can confirm it with the Scriptures. It's called being Berean. And looking at the Scriptures and say, what are they saying? Are they saying something right? There's, that's the reason why there's some evangelists or people in the past that have come to High Desert Word Center and you don't see them no more because they're kind of not in the right doctrine heading down the road. It was like, wow, okay, let's just do our thing right now and we'll get the right people in here that can speak the gospel right, the truth right. Um, so I don't know why I went there, but anyway, God's good. I'm going to go over to... Um, the road to Emmaus. Luke twenty four thirteen. Let's go over to Luke. Luke. We definitely have time for me to finish out here. I was worried that I was just going to go on and on. Everybody's going to have to bring a pillow, take a nap. But nope. I'm going to bring it to a conclusion here pretty soon, as soon as I can find my Luke. This right here is called the road to Emmaus. Let's start off on verse 13. This is right after the resurrection of Jesus from the grave, from the tomb. And that very day, two of them going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other. They were talking with each other. I lost my place there. All about the things... That had happened. They were talking about Jesus. They were talking about what happened that day. Three days before when Jesus died on the cross, they were talking about what happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. These men were perplexed. They were thinking about Jesus. They were talking about Jesus. Jesus shows up to them. Then one of them said, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? And he said, Jesus said, What things? And then they went on to explain on how Jesus, they thought that Jesus was the one that was going to deliver Israel. They believed that he was the one that was going to rescue them from the oppression of the Romans. But it's not the way it happened. And then we get down here to verse 25. 
O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was, not it, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Jesus spoke to them concerning his glory. And first of all, he called them foolish. Kind of, yeah, you know, he called them foolish for not believing. What's striking me about this story, these two gentlemen were on a road to Emmaus. They were talking about Jesus. They were heartbroken. They were sad. They were hurting. And they were perplexed. And Jesus showed up to them and talked to them and let them know. And Jesus walked seven miles with them to the town. Okay, this is the day that Jesus rose from the grave. He walked seven miles with two men. And I'm going, man, these guys must have been apostles. Who were they to be so important that Jesus would walk seven miles? How many of you guys have walked seven miles? How long does it take? A long time to go seven miles. Okay, Jesus is walking to them, explaining the prophets and the Psalms, teaching them everything about Christ must suffer, explaining to them what's going on. Jesus took this time out on Resurrection Day, on Easter Sunday, to talk to these two individuals. And they still didn't know who he was, but their hearts were burning. And then they came into the house. Jesus wanted to keep on walking, going further, but they invited Jesus into their house, into the place. And Jesus took bread, broke it, and blessed it, and then their eyes were opened, and he was immediately gone. Jesus disappeared. And then the two put on their shoes and hightailed back to Jerusalem to talk to the eleven. Okay, so that tells me he wasn't part of the 11 disciples, the 11 apostles now. So the importance of these two gentlemen, Jesus thought it was important that he talked to them. But they were a part of the 120 that were there in the upper room. So there is value there. And I believe that they were, I don't, I'm not going to speculate. Anyway, Jesus took the time out for two people that were not his 11 followers. So With that being said, we should be taking time out for someone that may not be significant to us, but to God, they're very significant. So still, all the time, we got to continue to remain faithful to the Lord, continue to remain hopeful that someone's going to, we're going to be able to pull someone off of that broad and wide path and bring them in here. Harvest Fest is a something that reach out to thousands of people, hundreds of people, not because we love spending a week all day because we have nothing better to do. It's because we want to reach the lost. There's no other reason for it. We we we're we're not doing to put pat ourselves on the back because those that worked Harvest Fest know. Which leads me to this last road. Saturday after Harvest Fest. How many of you guys had a Saturday after Harvest Fest to where you're going, what a day, what a week. Casey agrees. It was like, wow, that was tiring. And I'm sitting there going, when I got home that night, I was like, oh, I just sat there. And looked at the 
looked at my counter and go, Lord, that was a tough road. I go, Lord, this is where the foundation of this message came from. Lord, that was a tough road. God, what did you get me into? That was my next question. Because, uh, honestly, God, what did you get me into? I mean, setting up the stage, setting up the sound. I mean, I could not have done it without the help. I would have just said, I'm done. I could not have done it. We could not have done it without the help of all those around us. There's no way. I mean, from nine, from nine, ten o'clock till midnight, I was on full octane. I had a ten minute break after a setup just before the message, just before getting up and speaking to people, which was the highlight of the night. I love doing that. I love being up in front of you guys and I just love speaking the gospel. And then the Lord showed me when I go, Lord, what kind of, that was a rough road. That was miserable. And he goes, Oh yeah. Let me show you another road. Oh boy. When the Lord says that, here we go. John 19. I say John 19. Verse 1 and 3. Let's start right there. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. You know, for those of you that don't know and haven't been here on Easter, flogging means you're getting beat to a pulp until you look like a bunch of hamburger by the time he's done. Okay, it's it's not good. Shredded meat on the back, terrible. And I don't mind saying that on camera because Jesus was beat for us. Okay, and people say, oh, you can't, that's just too much. I said, you know what? He did everything for us. He took that by his stripes on his back. We've been made whole. Okay, they flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him and saying, hail, king of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. They kept beating him, beating him, beating him. Isaiah tells us, tells us that we couldn't even recognize him, that he was even a man. He was beat and broken. Okay. I'm not on the road yet. Go to 19, 16, and 17. This is after Jesus was beaten and he was publicly humiliated. The Jews wanted him to be crucified. Pilate washed his hands, said, you go crucify him yourself. So, Pilate delivered him over to them to be crucified. Verse 16. And they took Jesus and he went out bearing his own cross to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. One thing that isn't mentioned too much in Scripture, I read, you know, Luke, Matthew, Mark. They all have the same account. But you know what? Right after Jesus was flogged, He had to take his cross, put it on his back, and go the road to Golgotha. Okay, Jesus, I get get your point. The road that you took, the road that you went on is nothing. Not the road that I went on, sorry. Let's get that scratch. The road that I went on is nothing compared to what Jesus did for me. 
And you know what? We got to stay on the road that God's called us on. Walking in love, true repentance, walking humility, forgiveness, patience. The list goes on and on. And it's a hard way, but it's the right way. Anybody know if it's easy? It's like, uh, there's a catch. What is up with that? Somewhere along the line, there's something wrong. But you know what? With Jesus, we can make it. And we're going to make it. You know, because we're a victorious church. We're a victorious people. And we're going to keep on pressing in to the press. And you know what? We stay on our road. Jesus stayed on his road. He's flung up on the, tr- flung up on the cross, stood up. And at the end of that, the last thing he said, it is finished. It's done. He completed it. He made it through the road, which they some say it's the Via Dolorosa. There's a question there. That's what, anyway, that was a song that Sandy Patty wrote a long time ago, saying that the road that Jesus went on. But nevertheless, he went on a road. I don't know how many miles it was, but he had to bear his own cross. And thankfully, someone came along. Simone helped him with that cross. The soldiers say he can't do it no more. Help him carry that cross. So, and when we're feeling weak and tired and down and beaten and wore out, God will send us someone to help us out. Like setting up the stage, like Casey really getting in there and helping out Desiree. Like each one of us doing our part, bearing each other's burdens, but we are still also to pick up our own cross and follow him. That's our own cross of uh, affliction of sacrifice, of commitment, picking up our cross and following Him is a continual journey that we have to stay on. It's tiring. It's hard. Jesus said it was going to be hard, but we can make it through Him. Josh, you want to start coming on up? So when Jesus said, it is finished, we got to remember that one of these days we're going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Come into my rest and chill at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Let's eat. Let's have a blast. It's done. You made it. Look at all those souls that you brought in because of your faithfulness to me. Jesus is going to say, look what you did. Look at the impact you made in somebody's life, your kid's life, your mom's life, your uncle's life, your family family members, any one of them. Look, they're here with you, with us, because of your faithfulness, because of what you've done. So when I say continue to remain faithful, I'm just repeating what the Lord wants us to do, is to remain faithful to Him. Pick up our cross and follow Him. Remain in prayer continually. You know, I find myself praying in tongues at work and all the time and just praising the Lord. Sometimes I have to think about work and it's frustrating. But kids want to eat and they want clothes on their back. And you know, Actually, my wife wants clothes on their back more than they probably do because they run around <laughs> naked if they could. But anyway... Jesus is Lord, and if we've made him Lord, we mean it, that 
my ways. Help my ways to become your ways. Help your ways, Lord, to become my ways. Help me, Lord, to seek you. Lord, not just Savior. Okay, we got our fire insurance. No, we want to make him Lord. Is there anybody in here tonight that has... Everybody don't stand up. I look around and I pretty much know most of you, but in the event that there is an individual in here that has not accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and you're on a road that seems very frustrating and hard and you need help, I want to pray with you. And the prayer team can come on up. They can pray with you. In any area and situation, your road might need, you might need help on this road. Some to bear, you might need to cast your cares on Jesus, but the prayer team is up here to help you move on, to get stronger, to be encouraged to move forward. First of all, if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ, come on up and talk to Desiree or I. And we will lead you in a prayer. But in the event that you need any other prayer, anything else, we're here for you. Josh is going to go ahead and lead us in song. Don't feel embarrassed. Don't feel ashamed. Because we've all been on our knees bawling and crying, needing help. Sometimes we just need, sometimes you may just need to just release it to someone. And we just release it to the Lord. It's all right, Josh. It's all you, brother. So come on up. There will be no one like you. And no one beside you, you alone are worthy of all praise. And there will be no one like you, and no one beside you, you alone. Are worthy of all praise And there will be no one like you And no one beside you You alone are worthy of all praise I will exalt you, Lord. I will exalt you, Lord. There is no one like you, God. And I will exalt you, Lord. I will exalt you, Lord, no other name be lifted high. Thank you, Jesus. We do lift your name on high and we give you praise. We ask that you continually lead us and direct us by the uh, by your Holy Spirit, Lord. We cannot do it without you. 
For we know that this road that we're on is tough and challenging, Lord, but we know with you we can do all things because you give us the strength to push on, to push forward, Lord. And we are, we're keeping our eyes and our sights on you, Lord. We're not focused on the surroundings, but we're looking towards you in our, in our position of need, in our position in, in, in the event that we're in need, Lord, or in our hurts and our pains, Lord. We're focusing on you. Finances, wherever, Lord, we're focusing on you, Lord Jesus. We give you praise and thank you, Lord. I pray that you will guide each and every individual home safely tonight and bring them back Sunday morning for good word, good food. We love you and praise you for all that you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. We have Barstow Faith Confession. Who wants to say it? I'm going to say it. My daughter knows it, but I can't get her up here to the microphone. Even to stand by me. But anyway, let's go. Ready? We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our splits are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is called God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved in Jesus' name. Amen. Robert needs help, guys, and don't forget, servant leaders, tomorrow night at 6.30.